Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. We're going to continue on with our Holy Spirit uh, series week three. You'll see in your bulletins that there are notes from last week. What we're doing is following up each week, depending upon where the Lord takes me in my message. We recap the week uh, previous in your bulletin and also on Facebook if you want to follow along. So in week one, we talked about, uh, actually, let me just back up again. The reason why we are taking this entire summer uh, to look at the Holy Spirit, to ask him to encounter us in a fresh way is because without the Holy Spirit operating in our lives, we're not going to be transformed. We're not going to be empowered. We're not going to be supernatural. and We won't advance the kingdom of God. So we want to start with who the Holy Spirit is. Week one, we talked about how he is fully divine. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all equally divine, all equal in the Godhead that we call the Trinity. Last week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is the breath of God, how he was hovering over the earth. And as God said, let there be light. And as God created every single thing by the voice command of his mouth, the Holy Spirit was that breath that was creating everything that we see and we know today. And also Jesus in John chapter 20, when Jesus breathed on the disciples and he said, receive Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus's words were spirit and life. So we see the Father speaking forth through the Spirit. We see the Son speaking forth through the Spirit. There's a promise that we've read about already in John chapter 14, verse 17. I just wanna read once again. Jesus is talking about how the Holy Spirit won't come unless he ascends to the Father, and he says, the world can't accept him, talking about the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. And Jesus says, for he lives with you, say with me. And it says, and will be in you, say in me. So the Holy Spirit was living with the people. He was here before the creation of all the earth. He was hovering over the waters. He was living with the disciples as Jesus walked the earth. And Jesus says, but soon, very soon, he will be in you. It's a revelation that we have to catch if we want to be transformed by the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So today, this is what we're gonna talk about. It's a very simple subject, but it's necessary to understand. It's it's on being born again and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If we can understand and grasp and actually walk out the fact that we have the spirit of the living God inside of us, it will change our lives. It will change our lives and it will change the lives of those around us. But we have to understand when we say yes to Jesus, we say no to our old sinful nature and turn and start to follow Jesus, that the spirit, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that created the light, that created the moon, that created the stars, and everything in between, that spirit is now dwelling within you. It's a reality that we can't take lightly, that you can't just skip over when you're reading his word. So I wanna just separate two things, even though they're the same, one and the same in the experience itself. We talk about getting saved. Getting saved is an experience that happens to you, where Jesus, out of his grace and out of his goodness, rips you out of the grips of hell. He saves you from an eternity in torment. He's saving us from the penalty that our sin would deserve. It's something that's happening to us. So if I was going to jump off this this cliff, I almost said this cliff, (laughs) this stage as I was falling all four feet, ah, Jesus would come 
through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, because of the love of God, and save me from the damage that would happen. Okay, so that's what's happening to you when you get saved and you say yes to Jesus. At that same moment, you are being born again. It's an experience that's happening within you because you're inside, your spirit is being regenerated, and you're getting the Holy Spirit to live within you for all of eternity. Salvation, being born again, happening at the same time. One's happening to you, the other is happening within you. So how does this happen? First, there's conviction of sin. John, uh, just two chapters over, in John chapter 16, this is Jesus still teaching on the Holy Spirit. He says, it's best that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate, who's the advocate? The Holy Participate. Who's the advocate? All right. The advocate won't come. If I, don't, if I do go away, I'll send him to you. When he comes, he will. Follow some of the functions now of the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And again, that's a reality that they couldn't understand yet, and they, they came into a fuller revelation of that after Jesus uh, resurrected from the dead. That word convict there, when we think of the word convict, we always think of guilty, right? If somebody is convicted, it's guilty. If you look at the original meaning of that word, it really stands for convincing. So it can't be, it can't be translated in all three of those senses as guilty and guilty. You can't be guilty of God's righteousness, so a commentator, William Barclay, translates it this way. He will convict the world of its sin, and he will convince the world of my righteousness and the certainty of judgment. See, when you're living in your own sinful ways, and you're living uh, apart from God, and you're rebelling against God, the Holy Spirit, out of the love of God, comes, and he convicts you guilty as charged of your sin. That's the very first step that's going to happen. If you don't ever come to a realization that you are a sinner rebelling against the God who created you, you'll never turn to him in need of a savior. Does this make sense? So the Holy Spirit, he's not doing this so you feel like a piece of garbage and so you go hide somewhere. It's out of his love for you because he wants to save you and he wants you to be born again. So he convicts the world of its sin. Why did Jesus say it? Because the world doesn't believe in him. So there's a point in time in your life where you realize, wow, I have sinned against the holy God. I fall short of his glory. I am in need of a savior. Once you step into that, once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now the Holy Spirit is convincing you of God's righteousness in you. There's a difference because you're no longer a sinner when you're a saint. I'll just let you think about that. Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, that's a lie. The Bible says you are a saint once you're found in Christ Jesus. So what happens is this. 
you mess up, you sin, you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, but you're still caught in addiction, you're still caught in a bad habit, and you feel that weight, you feel that presence of God upon you, and you say, I just feel like a dirty sinner, and it causes guilt, shame, condemnation, that's the devil. The devil wants you to feel all of that stuff, so you go into hiding, and you stay far away from God because you don't feel worthy of him anymore. The Holy Spirit's not in that business. The Holy Spirit is convincing you of God's righteousness. He's saying, wait a minute. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. You're better than that. You're living outside of your calling and your creation. So if you feel that weight when you're sinning, realize that's the Holy Spirit drawing you back to the Father. Right? You don't get like this this honing device to point out every sin once you become a Christian. He's your daddy. He's your father. The Holy Spirit lives in you, convincing you of, your, of God's righteousness in you. So yeah, I get a check in my spirit when I sin. I feel the weight of that, but it doesn't cause guilt and condemnation. Wow, I really am living outside of the destiny that God has for me. I need to change. That turns you back to the Father instead of you running away. And there is certainty that judgment is coming for all of us. But we'll be judged by the blood of Jesus. It's over our life. Amen? So I've already gone through some of this. We're convicted of our sin. We repent from sin. We turn around from sin, turn toward the Father. We change the way we think about our lifestyle and our old sinful ways. And when we turn to the Father, then there's a confession of our mouth. In Romans 10, 9, it says here, if you confess with your mouth, if you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Listen, this is not, being born again and being saved is not just in need of a Savior. There's a lot of people that walk around and think they're going to heaven because they needed a savior because they asked somebody to to forgive their sins, but they never made him Lord. Lord means he's in charge, he's in the driver's seat, and I'm not. That takes true repentance. You're walking in a certain direction. You realize, I've sinned. I don't want this sin in my life. But you also realize, wait a minute, he's not just the savior. He's the Lord. So you're confessing with your mouth. You're in charge. You're my king. I'm stepping off the throne of pride and selfishness, and I'm asking you to be on the throne of my heart forevermore. That's what you're doing when you're confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It says that you're believing in your heart that God actually raised him from the dead, right? So we have victory over sin. We have victory over death because Jesus also had that victory. And then it says, you will be saved. This is happening at the same time that you're being born again. Now I want you to, I want men, fathers in this room, I want you to understand, there's, there's guys out there that will say, well, religion is for the weak. Christianity, you know, is, is for the weak. Listen, when Jesus says, you better count the cost of what you're about to give up when you deny yourself to pick up that cross and to follow me, there's nothing weak about that. Right, I think sometimes us men, we've believed a lie because culture puts it in front of us that we gotta be tough on the outside and we gotta show that we're men. So to do that, we gotta have to swear every once in a while to show our coworkers who we are. We gotta guzzle a beer every once in a while. You know, look at, look at the websites and do this and agree with all the jokes. Listen to me, that is a lie from the pit of hell. True strength comes from brokenness. So a lot of times we'll have, this isn't meant to cause guilt or condemnation again. If you're hearing it, just know the wrong message has come into your, into your ears over, the life, over your life. Just know God has the truth if you've been believing the lie and just be set free from it. You will not stand 
in front of any softball buddy, any guy that you eat wings with, or any guy that you've been hanging out with since college at the end of time. You will stand before God Almighty. So if you put that into perspective, that doesn't mean you have to leave those friends, right? That means you can be a light to them, and then when they see that you're different, they'll want what you have. You guys catching this? So whatever you think that you have to be tough on the outside, listen, it takes toughness on the inside to sit before kids and say, you know what? Daddy's sorry that I yelled at you. I messed up. I sinned. I've already asked God for forgiveness. I've already repented. I'm asking you for forgiveness. That's true toughness. That's what our families need. Strength is found in brokenness. It's not found in... You can be tough on the outside. Just make sure you're strong on the inside by being willing to be broken before the Lord. And he'll lift you up and he'll craft you, right? You don't have to leave, you don't have to leave what you're doing if you're walking with the Lord. You'll be able to do it in his strength and then shine to the people that are around you. Young men, if you're 30 or under, not that 31's old, but if you're 30, I'm just picking a number. <laughs> If you're 30 and younger and single, stand up. 30 or younger and single. Okay, ladies, take a look. No, no, that's not why I'm doing this at all. I just want to speak for you for a moment. What women need and what the younger men that are younger than you need are guys who are strong enough to be honest and have integrity, and be gentlemen, and be able to be kind, and not have to show that you're rough and tough with another woman to show who's boss. They need people who are going to walk in the ways of the Lord. I teach my boys to be a gentle warrior, be gentle with women in God's creation, and be a warrior against Satan. And I believe God would have that for every single one of you. So being honest, having integrity, being kind, being tender, those are all signs of real strength that women and younger boys need to see as an example. Amen? You can be seated. There's conviction of sin. There's repentance of your sin. There's confession of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All that together, you're getting saved and you're being born again. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it shows us the amazing miracle that takes place here or a result of it. And when you think about being born again, it is the most amazing miracle known to mankind. We've been able to celebrate people being healed in body, people being healed in their mind, people being delivered of stuff and habits in their life and being transformed, right? But there's no greater miracle than somebody actually being born again. To think here, even in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, where it says, don't you know, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, come on. The creator of the universe has placed his spirit in you. I'll say it over and over and over again until we walk it out. It's that same spirit that came upon Jesus the moment he was baptized. And it's the same spirit that pumped the blood in Jesus's body to resurrect him again. There's no junior Holy Spirit. He doesn't have a cousin, a nephew, or great-grandchildren. It's him. It is the Spirit of God living in you. That's that's amazing. Most amazing miracle known to mankind, that we can house the Holy Spirit. 
And then out of that, host him well the remainder of our lives. So there's a death that takes place and then there's a resurrection that takes place. Next week, I'm telling you, it's gonna be an awesome week. I think we have, I think close to a dozen people being water baptized. This is the picture of being born again, is water baptism. In Romans 6.3, it says, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. That's the picture of us going down into the water. This is not like a ceremony. We're gonna take communion at the end of today. This is not like, this is like a religious you know, act that we do. It's a statement of death. We're saying we're baptized. We're, we're actually baptized into Jesus's death when we go into that water. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So next week, we're gonna have, I think it's 10 or 12 people back there and we're gonna see them go under that water as that declaration of death. In fact, you can put those, that slide up about what, a, what water baptism is. It's a statement of death. And they're gonna go into that water and they're saying, I have died to all of my old and selfish and wicked ways. And that washing of the water is as if they are being born again right then, right? Even though they've made the commitment already. So it's an act of faith declaring the old is gone. If the old is gone, and you're no longer being judged by God by your past, then we have to stop letting our past judge us. So they're the pictures when you're coming up, you have a very clean conscience before God. So you don't come up and say, thanks for forgiving all my sins, but I'm gonna feel guilty about them the rest of my life. You say, I, because your word says, not because I feel it, not because I deserve it, but because your word says it, I now stand before you with a clean conscience, knowing you're judging me on the blood of Jesus, not on my own sin. Water baptism is also a point of contact for people's faith to be completely renewed by Jesus, washed clean from all of their sins, resurrected in new life with Christ. So we're gonna see them, actually it's gonna be during a worship song, we're gonna see people go down into that tank. We're actually gonna take them now, there's a hallway right behind there. We're gonna have a prayer team back there that's gonna just speak the things of God over their life. We're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to fall on them. Even if you see it when Jesus was baptized, right? He was baptized, he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. He's baptized with the Holy Spirit right after water baptism and God speaks to him with his voice. We're gonna ask the Lord to speak through those who are on the prayer team. We're gonna, we're gonna believe that this is a life-changing event for people. So you don't wanna miss it. If you have not been water baptized and you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, sign up, talk to somebody before you leave, put your name at the information center. There's more than enough room for you. And this is now Jesus explaining born again, John chapter three. You can turn there if you want to, or you can look at the screen. It's like very quiet right now. He says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Nicodemus, he's saying, listen, I know you're from God. I've seen the miracles. And Jesus is now gonna give him a greater revelation of how God is truly with him because the kingdom of God is with Jesus himself. That term born again literally means born from above. It's translated born again because it's the second birth that we have but the most little translation would be to experience a complete change in one's way of life, 
to what it was in the beginning. It's being born from above. Now, when I read this years ago, unless you're born again, you, you, know, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. I always thought Jesus was talking about uh, this place called heaven, way off yonder. If you look at the context of what's happening here, he's actually talking about the kingdom of God right here and now that will then be experienced in its fullness in heaven. Okay, so heaven is your destiny. It's your destination. It is the greatest reward we could ever receive. And yet the kingdom of God came with Jesus in full force and full power so that he's saying, if you want that word see is experiential. If you want to see, perceive, experience, step into the kingdom of God, the way that you do that is by being born again. In fact, if you keep reading throughout these, these verses, he's talking about having eternal life. Your eternal life does not begin the moment you die. Your eternal life begins the moment you repent of your sins, confess Jesus, and turn to him. So everybody that knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you have eternal life already. You're not going to die. Your body will fail you at one moment, but your spirit, your soul will continue on forevermore. So he's saying to perceive, to experience this kingdom right here and now, be born again. So Nicodemus, like any of us would ask, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. All the ladies say, amen. Amen. So Nicodemus is like super confused right now. Jesus answered him this way. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Is that a capital S or lowercase s? Capital S. Capital S stands for the Holy Spirit. Lowercase s stands for your human spirit. So he says, flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit, capital S, gives birth to spirit, lowercase s. So he's saying, flesh is giving birth to flesh. He's talking about being born of water. And spirit gives birth to spirit, talking about a spiritual rebirthing. He says, you should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. So born of water, born of flesh, those two, uh, those two phrases they're talking, uh, medically, the water, when a woman is pregnant, it's called amniotic fluid. It's around the amniotic sac, right? When the mom is close to having birth, that sac breaks forth. It's called the water breaking. So the first birth that we have is a physical birth of the water breaking forth. The second birth, spirit giving birth to spirit, is not anything in the natural. It's a spiritual birth where we are being birthed by the Holy Spirit when your spirit is being regenerated. Now the waters of baptism, that is the birthing tank for the believer. Picture that. When the water is breaking forth, it's a declaration that someone has been born again. It's a picture they go down into the grave and they are buried to their old sinful, selfish nature. And the waters are breaking forth and something is brand new. A brand new birth has taken place. That's the second birth. In John chapter three, verse eight, it says, the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit, capital S. You know, the word wind 
Both times in the word spirit are the same word. It's the word pneuma, which means wind, breath, or life. Remember last week we talked about ruah, ruah, right? Which meant what? Wind, breath, spirit. It's the New Testament version of the Old Testament breath of life. So he's saying the wind, the spirit goes where he wills to go. No one can ever explain how this happens. You can't explain how the divine spirit of God actually comes and dwells within us. But we know it's true because the word of God states it. So we see the, the, the Holy Spirit is breathing the breath of life into Adam so he can be born a living being. And now the Holy Spirit is breathing, right? Eternal life into people who say yes to Jesus so that we can be born again into eternal life. Being born again to see the kingdom of God. I wanna talk about four quick realities that are in place. There's so many more than that. Just for the sake of time, I wanna talk about four of them today. And then we're gonna close with communion. First reality is this, you become a new creation. In First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, say anyone. anyone. So it qualifies you. If you realize you're a sinner, you turn to Jesus, you're found in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. Say new creation. new creation. For you to be new, the old has to go and the new has to come. That word new is never been, it means never been seen before. It's never been experienced before. So when your unregenerated sinful nature spirit, lowercase s, comes and gets invaded by the Holy Spirit, that spirit, your, your, your human spirit is regenerated and becomes a new spirit, never been, have been seen or experienced by the world before. Now, the, the, the catch for this is when some people, they get born again, they feel like they wanna like hold on to some baggage and they wanna hold on to different areas of their life that they've been before. I believe for as much as you have faith in this verse when you give, life to, when you give your life to Jesus, that's the amount of breakthrough you're gonna see. If you absolutely believe the old is gone, it's no longer gonna be messed with, played with, toyed with, it's absolutely dead. I left it in the baptismal tank and now I'm walking in my new self, completely created new. If we actually have faith in that, if we have faith in what Jesus actually did by regenerating our spirit through the Holy Spirit, we're not gonna walk in that junk anymore. Second reality is you receive a new spirit, lowercase s, it's a human spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. We've done this before. I've talked about this a lot today. There was a prophecy to Israel in the old covenant describing their reward in the promised land. But to the church at large, it was describing what was possible in the new covenant. And it comes from the book of Ezekiel. And I just want to read it to you. Verse 26, it says, I will give you a new heart. That heart means your inner self, the deepest part of who you are. And I will put a new spirit in you. That's a lowercase s. So you get a, a, that, that your old sinful nature is now completely regenerated. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, one that is moldable, one that is soft, one that is sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He says, and I will put my, what, capital or lowercase? I will put my capital S, Spirit, I will put my Holy Spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. 
It's amazing when you just stop to think about it, of what he's done for us. Third reality, you receive the inward witness that you are God's children. Romans 8, starting at verse 15, it says, the spirit, capital S, you receive does not make you slaves. Think about how many Christians walk around feeling like they're slaves to their sin all over again because they're simply feeling that convincing, that convicting, that, wait a minute, I belong to him now. It says so that you live in fear again. This is not, the Holy Spirit's job is not to have you live in fear of God or fear of your sin. It says rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership, right? So the Holy Spirit actually brings you into the adoption of being a child of God. I've learned a lot because we've had a few families go through adoption uh, in our church recently. The most recent, Pastor Chris, uh, adopting two of his children. It's amazing to me. When you're, when you're adopted, that word adoption in scripture means that you would treat that child as if they were always your own, full rights to all inheritance that any of your other children would have. What I love about it most is this. When you adopt a child, they get a brand new birth certificate. Like all record of their old way of life is erased and they get a brand new birth certificate saying, these are your parents. This is what happens to you when you say yes to Jesus. You get the Holy Spirit implanted to you. Your human spirit gets regenerated and you get a brand new birth certificate saying, wait a minute, God, God doesn't remember. I don't remember this old way of life. I don't remember when you followed the prince of this world. I only know you as my son. I only know you as my daughter. I only know you as my child. That's what that means. It's an inward witness. He goes on to say, and by him, by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. That, that word, Abba, is an endearing way to say, Daddy. It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So the Holy Spirit is in you, testifying with your human spirit, reminding you, you are his child. You are his child. You are his child. Sometimes we're like throwing these Hail Mary prayers up to God. I just need to know you're near me. I need to know you're, you're, you're here. I'm not hearing your voice. Instead of saying, Father, I thank you that you've placed your spirit inside of me. And he's testifying to my spirit, even though I don't feel like it, even though I'm discouraged, whatever. He's testifying right now that you are adopted, that you are children of God. You know, even on Father's Day, maybe some of you have really bad memories of your father. Maybe even worse off, maybe there's fathers here, uh, uh, regretting some of the ways that you've treated your children. And I tell my kids, I said, you, you get two fathers. One's an earthly father. I'm going to fail you at times. I'm going to mess up. He's never going to. I might feel like I'm losing my patience right now. He doesn't lose his patience with you. It doesn't give me an excuse to not be a good dad. What it is, is pointing them to the perfect father. Right? So if you have unforgiveness, if you were abused, if you have a bad experience with your father, realize there's a perfect father that sets the pace for the rest of your life. If you're a dad feeling guilty about how you treated your kids or maybe lost opportunities or whatever, just know that your perfect father is able to redeem all of that through brokenness before him. The fourth and final uh, reality is this. You receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing all of the promises that are ahead. In Ephesians 1.13, it says, when you believed, right? When you believed in Jesus, you were marked in him, marked in Christ with a seal. What is that seal? The promised Holy Spirit. Who is he in this area? He is a deposit guaranteeing all of the inheritance that we'll receive until the day of redemption when we actually receive the fullness of his kingdom. In 2 Corinthians 1.21, he, that's God, anointed us 
What did he do? He set his seal of ownership on us. How did he set a seal of ownership? Who stamps that new birth certificate? It says, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is yet to come. So you're standing, you're sitting in a place of discouragement or of hopelessness or not knowing what's gonna happen. Understand that down payment has been made, right? When you, when you purchase a house, you don't see the fullness of it until you pay it off and you know that you could sell that thing for 100% profit. You put the down payment down, that is evidence that you're serious about what you're just doing. So Jesus puts the spirit of God in you He's moving, he's, tra- he's, he's transforming your life. And at the same time, at any point, you're starting to doubt if you're his child or not. He's reminding you and he's saying, this is just a deposit. He's saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> to picture the day that we get to stand face to face with God. Not in guilt, not hiding, not thinking of, oh man, he's gonna remember all these things. No, stand there with a clean conscience and know I'm yours and you're mine. That's amazing. This is the picture of how we're born again. It's because of the, the body and the blood of Jesus. That He's the only way, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way that can make you right with the Father. So on Father's Day, and we're thinking about our relationship with the Father, it's through the body, it's through the blood of Jesus that allows it to be possible. Just like with water baptism, we don't want to look at it as just, you know, one of the religious activities that we do, but we want it to have life and substance in your spiritual walk. The same holds true with communion. We want to look at the significance of his body being broken, that we could be healed, and his blood being shed, that we could be completely washed clean of our sins and set free from the power of sin in our life. We want to do that today. Paul's talking about uh, communion and how Jesus taught him, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says in verse 23, I received from the Lord, but I also passed on to you. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he took a common element around the table. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you follow out enough of the gospels, you know that uh, from way back in Isaiah began to prophesy about what his body being broken would mean for us as believers, how healing is in the atonement and how it says because of his stripes and the stripes he took, the beatings that he took because of those things, now we can step into our physical healing. So I'm just gonna ask a very simple question. If you have something specific in your body that you need healing for, there's no other better connection, point of connection of your faith to know, to look upon this and say, Jesus, as I'm holding this, I'm embracing the fact that your body was broken for my healing. So if you have a specific area of your body that you need healed, I want you to hold this, but I want you to stand up at this time. I'm not gonna take a lot of time. I just wanna pray for you. And I, I, don't, I don't want you to believe the lie too that the enemy tells you that, oh, they've prayed for this 105 times and I haven't been healed. Well, you can be sure of one thing. If you don't pray again, you're not gonna see the healing. So you might as well keep pressing in and pressing in and pressing in. Why not, right? Why not pray one more time? He already paid for it. So Father, we just stand here and we look upon this bread as if it was your body that was broken for us. God, we know that by your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. 
So Father, I pray for each person that is standing up in faith, not standing in faith of my words, but standing in faith of the body that was broken, your body that was whipped, Jesus. Every time you were beat, the fists that came upon your back, the thorns that came upon your head, all of that was so that we can walk in wholeness. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we command sickness to go right now. I command bones uh, that aren't operating as they should to be healed in Jesus' name. Father, we ask that you would come in a mighty way by just breathing on the bloodstream, the blood flow of individuals here that have problems and issues in their blood. Father, we speak to skin disorders right now. We say be clean in Jesus' name. Father, you're showing me chronic pain, ongoing pain. It just never ceases and never ceases. Once and for all, you took the stripes, Jesus, for our complete healing. So we just speak against and rebuke all chronic pain to leave right now in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for the the strengthening of muscles where they're torn. Even for people that have torn muscles that don't know that that it is torn, that they're just facing soreness. I pray, Father, that by the strengthening of their muscle, they'll know that you are healing them in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together and just receive. You can be seated. Finally, he said in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We sang uh, earlier in service that nothing can wash away my sin except for the blood of Jesus. So I'm gonna ask another question then we're gonna close. That if you are here today, specifically dealing with either a memory, a bad memory of a father, or if you're feeling uh, guilt or shame, so I'm talking to the men right now, either a memory or a relationship with a father or something about how you've treated someone who is younger than you. If there is guilt or shame in your heart, God wants that completely gone. So just as his blood can wash away all sin, he can also wash away unforgiveness, bitterness, effects of abuse, torment anything else. So it's a bold step for you men to do this. But if that is you today, either the father above you or a child below you that you're holding on to guilt, condemnation, or anything else, I just want you to stand at this time and we're going to pray for you. It's a bold step. Heavenly Father, we just pray for these men that were bold enough to stand forth today. And Father, we pray right now, even as I speak in Jesus' name, that your blood will come rushing over that hurt, rushing over those scars of abuse, rushing over any guilt, condemnation, or shame, rushing over any unforgiveness, rushing over any emotions or the soul that may be wounded. And Father, we just declare today that your blood is enough. Your blood is enough to wash all that away and to set free 
even today, that forgiveness will flow, that healing in the soul will begin, and that guilt, shame, condemnation will be gone, eradicated because of your blood. Father, we thank you for the power of your blood. In Jesus' name. You can be seated, men. Let's take it together as a church family. Thank you, Lord. And I'm going to stand you all up one final time. God, I just thank you today for being the perfect father, the father who will never fail us, who will never let us down, who will always be with us, who will always be near us. And we thank you that you sent the very presence of your spirit within us to lead us and guide us forevermore. Father, we ask for your favor and your blessing to be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.